0: How many of y'all know Pastor Alan DiDio? I was telling him before um, tonight, we were standing up. <laughs> should I tell him these conversations? We were standing in the back, and I said, Pastor Allen. he said, what? I said, if you'd have told f- Paul four years ago, hey, in four years, you're going to have an event called Encounter in downtown Albemarle, and it's going to be four nights long, and you're going to give one of those nights completely to Pastor Alan DeDio and his church, I'd have Don't take this personally, y'all people that keep yelling. I know you're Pastor Allen's personal hype squad. Um, I said, I'd have told four-year younger Paul, ain't no way. Ain't no way. But I'm telling you, this man has a heart for Jesus. He's got a better beard than me. He's got a different style and everything from me. And our families, have we just love the DiDio family. Our hearts are with you. We're with ECC. We, are, we love what he's doing through them. And so, I mean, I want you on your feet. I want you welcoming this man of God to the platform, and I want you to receive what God has tonight for us through him.
1: you remain standing with me? Remain standing with me. I don't know if you noticed the images that were going by on the train, from pornography to demonic images, and it's as if they were fleeing the city as fast as they possibly could. Look at your neighbor and say, because of your praise, the devil took the first train out of Albemarle. <laughs> Yeah, you ought to shout. You ought to shout. I want us to do something here because as I was sitting there, I was just so touched in my heart as we were praising God, and I I, I visualized when I was working with the underground church in China where it is illegal to worship. They have state-run churches that you'll see that they, can, they, that they allow so long as they preach what the state says they can preach. But if you want to be a church like The Gathering, it's illegal. And so they don't meet in the same place every single service. And if you want to attend, you don't get to attend unless you've been screened by several meetings first. And I remember that when we were in one service and we were meeting in a particular place, they began and said, now, Pastor Allen, the, the exits are here and here. If we are invaded by the police, we're going to be rushing you, and we're going to be going out this door where we have a car already running. And I want us just to take just a second here and thank God that in the open air we can worship him, and praise his holy name. So would you just lift your hands, would you just lift your hands right now and close your eyes? And I want to call on the name of Yeshua just one more time before we dive into this word here tonight. I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands and begin to thank him that you have the freedom to proclaim the name of Jesus. And in that proclamation, there can be liberty released in a city right now. Come on, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands, come on, come on, come on. Lift your voice.
0: Come on, come on,
1: come on, come on. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. us now Lord Jesus manifest yourself here now Holy Spirit have your way would you let that be your prayer right now for about 30 seconds Holy Spirit have your way manifest a mastery over demons depravity and disease let depression loose its hold today by the power of your name Let your anointing, God, let your anointing rest upon us. And for what you're about to do, we give you praise in advance because we believe that is happening even now. Why don't you thank him for about 30 seconds? Come on, put your hands together and thank him. You may, be seated. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. How many of you are thankful for the gathering? Thank you. How many of you, now, I'm, I'm, I gave you a chance to practice and that was okay, but I'm gonna give you a better reason to shout. How many of you are thankful for Pastor Paul and Wendy Jenkins? <laughs> I, have, I have just been overwhelmed by the excellence in which they operate their leadership team, the volunteers, to all the volunteers who have helped make this a reality, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. From all of us to all of you, thank you. I want you to grab your Bible or your phone, which is more than likely what you have, and I want you to open it to First Timothy. It's right before you get to Second Timothy, if you're having trouble finding it. First Timothy, chapter number 1. Tonight, I want to release a word that God has given me concerning the gathering. I'm going to be prophesying over their leadership and over this ministry. But before I get there, I want to release a word over every single one of you, regardless of what ministry you're a part of, what church you're a part of, or even if you have no church and you don't even know if this Jesus thing is real. I need you to know that you have come here tonight for such a time as this. I need. I, I, I. am done with cliches. I am tired of church as usual. I can't do it anymore. I just, after seeing the apathy, after seeing the powerlessness of the church as we came through 2020 and over the last two years, I don't know about you, but I can't go back to church the way it used to be and I don't want to go back to church the way it used to be. I don't want to go back to a church that can be shut down. I want to find me a remnant group of believers that cannot be shut down, will not be silenced, will not be quiet, and will understand the purpose that God has given them for the hour in which they're living in. And you, 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 backslider you, God brought you here for a reason. Far away from God, I'm here to tell you you are here for a reason. What I am offering you tonight is the only thing that will provide you with that reason. Atheism provides no reason. Naturalism, nihilism, Buddhism, Hinduism, Hari Hari Krishna will provide you no reason. I have traveled the world. I have spent my time in many third world nations, many of which where the gospel is prohibited. And I have seen the fruits, the unfruitful works of darkness when ideologies like atheism and communism or Buddhism or Hinduism are allowed to play out to their fruitless end. And I'm here to tell you, there is no answer outside of the gospel. There's no hope. There's no help. There's no happiness. And if you have rejected the kingdom of God up until this point, let me in some way side with you and say I don't blame you. Because you have looked to the church for answers and only found more questions. You have looked to the church for hope and only found more hopelessness. But that is not because the church is inept or hopeless or without answers. It is only because the backslidden church is inept without hope and without answers. But there is a remnant. Not everybody, not every church is all his church, but there's some of his church in every church. There is, there are those (laughs) firebrands. So you might be sitting next to one right now just look them up and down and say, are you one of those weird ones? Robert, send it, Robert, send it, Robert. Turn around and show people that shirt. It says, it says yeah, I go to that church. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know the church that you mock and that you ridicule and that you think that's strange and they talk in an unusual, unknown language and sometimes when they pray for people, they fall on the floor and I don't know about any of that. You were up in the club and a lot more stranger things than that were going on and you didn't have any problems with that. But some of us really believe this thing. Some of us really believe the Bible is true. Some of us really believe there's still a God that creates. There's still a Jesus who stays. There's still a cross that bleeds. There's still a king that redeems. And there is still a triumphant, victorious church of Jesus Christ against which the very gates of hell shall not prevail. It's okay to shout and put your hands together and say Hallelujah. You're here for a reason. And by here, I don't just mean on this planet. I am talking about this region. I am talking about this city. I am talking about the very square we find ourselves in in this moment. There have been some prophecies that have gone on before you. Uh, One of the speakers mentioned uh, in previous night that when, uh, uh, I believe it was Alexander, Alexander, the great, was going into Jerusalem, was going into Israel. They showed him the prophecies concerning him, and he spared the city because he realized that word, that prophecy, that scroll, that book was talking about him. I'm about to share with you some prophecies that are talking about you. I'm going to equip you tonight with a word that will help you war. Hudson Maxim was a famed chemist in the early 20th century. Hudson Maxim was admired by the likes of Thomas Edison for his invention of things like smokeless gunpowder and other things. And he saw a simmering conflict that was brewing overseas and issued a warning. I have at my house a copy of the book more than 100 years old. The book is titled Defenseless America. And he is warning the American people that there is a war coming, speaking of the First World War. And he was concerned that the American people could not be roused to war because they were war-weary. One of the most dangerous places you can be as a believer is in a place where you are weary of fighting. And I feel like that there's some people here tonight that have just been in such a battle, one thing after another. If it's not this, then it's that. And you have started to become weary, but tonight God is going to restore your fighting spirit. Would you just push your neighbor? I mean, mean push them like it's kind of weird and uncomfortable. Push them and say, don't start something with me because I'm ready to fight. We got too many passive believers, you know. They'll draw a line in the sand and say this is where we stand and the devil steps over the line and they just step back and draw another line in the sand. I'm looking for someone. I don't need everybody, but tonight I'm looking for a few people that are draw a line in the sand and then they'll step over the line. <laughs> Cuz they're looking for a fight. In Defenseless America, he said something very interesting. He said, "Passivism has ringed the nose of the American people. You ring the nose of a bull in order to control it, in order to bring its anger down a notch. And I believe that pacifism has ringed the nose of the American church. It's time to get your fight back. First Timothy chapter number chapter number one. And verse number 17, I want you to look at it with me, and I want you to see it so you can pull it up your phone. If you're not there, you're probably never going to get there. I was just giving you time. That's all that was, just giving you time to find it on your phone. First Timothy chapter number 1, verse 17. Hmm. Would you shout the first word? You do have it in front of you. Good job. It was just a test. Now unto the king eternal. Immortal, invisible, you can't see it, but he's working. The only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou mightest war, a good warfare. Everybody say intense and intentional. Paul is telling Timothy to shake himself loose of that passive spirit that is causing the prophecies that have been spoken concerning him to fall to the ground void of power. What you need to know tonight is that God can speak some things over you, he can prophesy some things over you that fall to the ground and accomplish nothing without your participation. It is not destiny that determines your future, it is your decisions that determine your future. And God is looking for some people who will partner with him in his efforts to redeem a city and call it back to God. You see some of the things that are happening in this city. You don't have to drive all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina. You don't have to go all the way down to Raleigh, North Carolina. There are things happening right here in this city that if I would have told you that was going to happen, five years ago you would have called me a liar. God is calling us tonight to recognize what Pastor Paul has really initiated here tonight, that if we will fix our gaze on the needs around us, then perhaps our needs will be met. For the Bible said, pray ye one for another that you might be healed. You don't have to pray for yourself to be healed. If you will pray for someone else to be healed, healing will come to you or flow through you in order to meet that need. And I just believe that even tonight, there's going to be supernatural healing and deliverance that takes place right here in the open air in Albemarle, North Carolina. But it's going to be through you. Look at your neighbors and say, you got to be involved. Now, don't look at me with your halo so crooked on your horn and say, well, you just, you talk too loud. You shout too much. I don't like your style. You need to get saved. I was surprised, you know, in these meetings, there's a couple of speakers said, listen, I didn't mean to be so strong. And I thought, dear God, help me, Jesus. What do I mean by that? We're a body. The hand shouldn't say to the foot, I don't like that foot. I don't like the way that foot walks. You're a hand. What do you know about walking? What do you know about what I'm called to do? Let me tell you, nothing. What do I know about what you're called to do? Let me tell you, a little something. But not much. There has to be, and this has been, I mentioned this the last time we gathered together and encountered, that my journey of the last two years has been one of the most glorious and challenging journeys of my life as God has sent me into other camps in the body of Christ. You may not be familiar with this, but there are other churches who don't worship the way you worship, and they don't praise the way you praise, and they don't preach the way you preach, and they don't pray the way you pray, but God loves them just as much as he loves you. Is this a newsflash to anybody And it's been scary venturing out into these camps. And I don't know what they believe in. These have got these weird things. But listen, something happens when we come together. Our weaknesses are made strong. Our excesses are balanced out. And we become better as a result of it. Don't be nervous by how loud I am. I can't help it. Ask my family. This is how I order food. <laughs> my daughter's laughing. Is it? It's true. So let me be me, and I'll let you be you. And I believe if we'll do that, he'll be... <laughs> Pacifism has wringed the nose of the American church, and we have lost our agreement We have lost our willingness to fight for that agreement. And Paul told Timothy to shake yourself of that pacifism, and I want you to begin to war with the prophecies that I have given you. And tonight I'm going to share with you some prophecies that have been spoken over the state of North Carolina because I believe it's important. You don't realize how pivotal the state of North Carolina is when it comes to revival in the United States of America. Nearly every revival that has come out of the South has come from North Carolina. Many mainline denominations have been birthed out of the Tar Heel State. It is a place of first for both natural and spiritual phenomenon. Historically, the Carolinas, as the Carolinas go, so goes the South. This is reflected in the original boundary lines that the Carolinas had at the beginning. Knowing the borders of your authority is important. You have authority in this area. You must operate in authority. But what is the breadth of the area that you've been given authority over? In 1663, the Carolina Charter was signed by King Charles II. It was supernatural. He had been run out of England, and he was supernaturally placed back in power with the help of eight wealthy land barons. These eight men helped King Charles get dominion over the region and take the throne. I think there's some people here that are going to help Jesus get dominion and take authority over this region and sit on the throne of this city. And as a result, he rewarded these eight land barons with a swath of land known as the Carolinas. You didn't know you were going to learn something tonight, did you? Everybody say, no more cliches. But the boundaries of the Carolinas at the time did not constitute what you currently see on a the map. They stretched from the tippy-top of North Carolina all the way across the nation to California and down south of there. Everything across and south was called Carolina. There's more to this region than you know. I find it interesting that at the death of the queen, Queen Elizabeth II, after 70 years of power, she is laid in state, and they coronate a new king. What's his name? Charles the Third. Named after the man who laid the boundaries of the Carolinas. Could it be a prophetic message from God to wake up the church to say, I'm resetting the boundaries of the Carolinas? I am expanding the borders of your authority over this region, over the state, and the surrounding areas. North Carolina historically has been a gateway to this region. By the way, one of the land barons who was given a deed to the Carolinas, his name was the Duke of Albemarle. <laughs> Say, I'm in the right place. 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 Places like Alabama, Texas, even Los Angeles were originally underneath the jurisdiction of Albemarle. What was declared by Albemarle affected the majority of the nation. Whew. What happened here affected there what if the same is true today an unusual influence rests here in albemarle north carolina the first person born in america was born in north carolina the first american settlement was in north carolina the first native american born again was in north carolina the first major gold rush was in north carolina the first university in the south was in The first place Babe Ruth hit a home run was in. And of course, we are first in. Oh, you guys are with me. You guys are with me. Say, Carolina is a gate, North Carolina is where the Quakers began. Every Baptist and Methodist church in the South can trace its roots to North Carolina. The Moravian movement was in North Carolina. The Pentecostal movement was born 10 years before Azusa Street in Billy Graham, his home, North Carolina. Derek Prince, his ministry, North Carolina. Or Roberts, his first main crusade, was in North Carolina. Is this a coincidence or are the Carolinas a womb for revival in this nation? Nearly every revival has come out of the South, came out of North Carolina. Mainline denominations, North Carolina. April the 6th, 1975, Derek Prince prophesied. Derek Prince, and he said, I have found favor, thus saith the Lord. I have found favor with you here in North Carolina, and I will personally visit you. There will be a revival greater than that of the Welsh revival, and there will be kings and leaders that come to the North Carolina phenomenon that will come to study the sound that comes out of North Carolina, east and west, to study North Carolina. As he finished, he began to prophesy from Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, that says this. And the seacoast shall be dwellings and cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. And the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. Who is the coast for? The remnant of the house of Judah. And they shall feed thereupon in the houses of Ashkelon. Shall they lie down in the evening? For the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. God said he's going to feed them in the houses of Eshkelon. Eshkelon, of course. Being the territory of five cities that were dominated by the Philistines, that I believe could speak to us of the restoration of the five fold ministry that has been for too long occupied by the enemy. But God is about to raise up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers after His heart, shepherds who will lead His people into a fresh move of His spirit. And I believe Paul and Wendy Jenkins are some of those pastors and prophetic voices that He is raising up in order to lead his people into revival. look Looks your neighbor and say, you're here for a reason. In August of 1975, of course, there's no Internet, Dr. Charles Woodhouse, not knowing what was prophesied by Derek Prince, declared Zephaniah 2.6 over the Carolinas, saying the seacoast shall be possessed by the tribe of Judah. On March the 25th, 2022, in the city of Philadelphia, there was an intercessory prayer meeting going on, and all of a sudden they began to prophesy over the Carolinas. I don't generally take what everybody says as a prophecy as a prophecy. However, I thought it was interesting, and I thought I'd share it with you. Here's what was said this year about the Carolinas all the way from Boston. There is a prosperity anointing that comes from unity. Would you get over your 90s PTSD over the word prosperity, please? Look at your neighbor and say, heal up and grow up. It's a Bible word, okay? It's a Bible word, and it applies to more than money. It means to flourish wherever you are and to have more than enough. I don't know about you, I don't know if we could ever get to a moment where we had too much salvation. Are we ever going to get to a moment where you say, Lord, that's too much salvation. Could you just hold up, wait a minute, I just need a little bit of time because I just I think I'm going to backside with all this salvation. What do you think? What, too much healing. How about too much healing? Lord, I'm just feeling too good. I need you to strike me with something. I would talk about money, but I don't know if you guys are ready for that. How much is too much? Well, dear God, if God gave me too much money, I might go be on the boat on Sundays instead of going to church. That ain't got nothing to do with prosperity. You need to get saved. If money calls everybody to backslide, how come the devil hadn't given you a double dose of it yet? Okay, okay. Let me just read the prophecy. There is a prosperity anointing that comes from unity. And there is going to be a new unity in the Carolinas that produces a new anointing in America. It can only come from the Carolinas. It will cause wrath and greed to be uprooted. I want to set a bloodline over you because you are uprooting greed, wrath, Bloodshed, division, and broken covenant. I say, says the Lord right now, that the Carolinas are coming into an anointing. An anointing. It's about the anointing in the Carolinas. There's an anointing that's going to come out of the Carolinas. There's a move of God, a breaker anointing coming out of the Carolinas. Get ready, says the Lord. I'm sending you forth to bring forth the breaker anointing at the gates. There is an anointing in the Carolinas. This keeps ringing in my spirit, especially this week, an anointing in the Carolinas. It is about the anointing in the Carolinas. And if you reference it contextually, it is about a corporate anointing in the Carolinas. We can no longer live vicariously over the spirituality of our preachers and our praise and worship leaders. We must come together understanding we all bring the anointing. God told Moses, tell the people to bring the oil of the anointing so we can light the lamps in the house of God. Some of you come to church, you're like, well, I don't know, that song wasn't really anointed. I don't know, did you bring any oil for it? Well, pastor wasn't really on it. You know, I could tell he, was a little, he wasn't focused today. I don't know, did you bring any in oil? Or did you roll out of bed, throw on some wrinkled pants, dust off your Bible that hadn't been touched in a week, hop in the car and then roll into church arguing with your spouse, barely get in there and already complaining about the greeter. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to bring the oil. No one's responsible. Listen, you, you know this if you've been around at all. I've traveled the country. I've been in churches of thousands. I've been in churches of tens, less than ten. I got invited one time, Pastor Paul, to a church They had, they told me, oh, yeah, it's going to be big, you know. They have that evangelistic anointing. It's going to be big. We're going to take good care of you. We're going to, I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to be blown away. I showed up. They had four people there. Three of them were the pastor's family. Now, I don't care. I've traveled intentionally to home meetings across the country just to be in a home meeting because I'll go wherever there's hunger. But what I'm trying to tell you, with three people in the room, with 3,000 people in the room, I've been in churches with 3,000 and what was no oil in that room. I've been in churches with three, and there was a whole lot of oil in that room. You need to get oily. The anointing. Heidi, this is what we were talking about last night. The anointing. There's about to be a revival of an understanding of the anointing, the most discussed subject in the New Testament, yet if many of you were surveyed, you could give little to no definition or understanding as to what the anointing is. I'm having trouble because I want to leap off this stage, and I don't know if it's okay for me to come. Is it okay for me to come off the stage? Okay, I'm coming off the stage. Everybody say the anointing. Who, who said they came for healing? They were believing for healing tonight. Who's believing for healing tonight? Who needs healing tonight? Raise your hand. We must not have any Baptists in here. Oh, here we are. It's just a joke, people. It's just a joke. I had a, uh, the, uh, a good Baptist friend of ours, a good Baptist friend of ours. He, he went into this church. He was pastoring the church, and he said, uh, I believe that the Lord is going to heal people in this service just like in the book of Acts. Because, you know, Baptists believe the Bible. I mean, they believe the Bible. I don't know they used to. Do they still believe the Bible? Okay, good. They believe the Bible. And the Bible said, by his stripes, I am healed. He said, if any of you are sick, I want you to come down here down to the front. And he said, that's dangerous because in the Baptist church, everybody's sick. I didn't say that. The Baptist said that. And they started coming down to the altar and when they got to the front row before he could lay hands on them, the power of God just hit them. Every single one of them. Not only was the entire church healed, the entire church was baptized in the Holy Ghost in one service. Who's believing for healing? Raise your hands again. Raise your hands again. I don't mean raise it to be, I mean just kind of lift your hands just for a second. You're believing for healing. Lift your hands, lift your hands. Father, I thank you that tonight Tonight, there is a touch from heaven that's coming. I'm going to make the cameraman work. The anointing is going to be released tonight. Hmm. I've debated sharing this i don't I don't know how i couldn't how I couldn't share it I've had in my life about four dreams from the Lord in more than nearly twenty five years of radically serving the Lord a quarter of a century, I can count on one hand how many Holy Ghost-inspired dreams I've had. So I'm not one that has one every other day. But the other night, I was apprehended and visited by the Lord in a dream. Did you know that God wants to visit you in dreams? Oh, it was just a dream, just a dream. You don't know what heaven and hell thought. For God to get that message into your mind. Why in a dream? Because that's the only time he can get you to rest. The only time you weren't worrying when you were resting there in your bed. And God wants to speak to you through dreams. Now, whatever he speaks to you through dreams, it better line up with the Word. Better line up with the Word. Genesis to Revelation, the canon of the Word of God, not a verse taken out of context. The the canon, the entirety of the Word of God needs to line up with what the Lord has spoken to you. But in this stream, and I can't tell you everything that happened, but he took me to heaven. Can I tell you, you want to go there. You don't want to go to hell. In hell, there are no exits. Hell is forever and forever and forever. There is no stay of execution. Once you go there, you're there, and there's no turning back. You want to go to heaven because in heaven there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. He took me to heaven, and he took me to a Bible study in heaven. How many of you would like to be a fly on the wall For a Bible study in heaven. I got to be one. He took me and I saw them all gathered together. They were all in a circle. In fact, in our church, I made them rearrange the chairs in our church. Now our chairs right now are all in a circle. Because as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just, just for a few services we're doing this, guys. Don't get used to it. Don't get nervous. And I w- we walked up, and they were so intently studying. I wanted, to, I wanted to run ahead of Jesus to see what they were saying because they were so excited, and they were so intense about what they were studying. And I walked up, and as I heard what they were talking about, they were talking about the anointing. I feel it now when I'm talking about it. The anointing. Isaiah ten twenty seven says, The burden shall be removed, and the yoke shall be destroyed. Because of the anointing. Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, which means the anointed one. And I remember thinking, as I heard that, I didn't say this out loud, but Jesus heard me. I thought, The anointing? That was not what I was expecting. And Jesus heard my thoughts and said, oh, yes, they're always learning about the anointing here. I thought, how in the world is that possible? Why? There aren't any yokes in heaven. Huh? There aren't any burdens in heaven. Why would they be talking about the anointing? After days of being vexed by this thought, why are they talking about the anointing when there's no burdens and no yokes in heaven? It finally hit me. Why do you think there aren't any yokes or burdens in heaven? Because it's saturated with the anointing. Not only that, the burden-removing yoke-destroying power of God is merely a facet of it. It is the nature of Jesus. The anointing is the ministry. It is the compassion of Jesus. The glory is the presence of Jesus. The anointing is the compassion of Jesus. The glory of God. This is why the camps have to come together because we have some camps that focus on glory and other camps that focus on anointing. And without the two, you can have the glory and be broke as a joke and sick and, I was going to say, it's Job's turkey. I don't know why I thought of Job's turkey. Did he have a turkey? Why do we say that? Adam's house cat too. Did Adam have a house? Did he have a cat? Where do these things come from? Who can we blame for this? Because the glory of God produces little to no victory. It brings inner, it brings spiritual peace. But you can still be poor, sick, depressed in the glory. And in the anointing, yokes can be destroyed, but you can get in the anointing and get away from presence. See, the anointing, here, come here, help me with this illustration. This is my daughter, Alana, isn't she pretty? (laughs) She's the anointing. I'm the glory. The anointing follows the glory. But it follows it, and what that means is it can remain even after the glory has left for a time. And so yokes are being destroyed, burdens are being removed, but the presence of God is not there. We saw this with the children of Israel when they were going into the promised land because God said, I'm, listen, y'all, y'all are acting crazy. I'm not going with you up in there. And the children of Israel said, yeah, but you promised us. He said, you're right. I will fulfill the promise. I will give you victory over your enemies. You can go, but I'm not going with you. So they would have had the victory of the anointing without the glory. And so, thank you, honey. You did a great job. We have churches that focus on the anointing, And as a result, they get all over into signs and wonders, but they know little of his presence, of the person of Jesus. But then we have people who get all in the glory, but they know very little about setting the captives free, about breaking yokes, casting out devils, laying hands on the sick, evangelizing a city. But they know how to get in the presence. There has to be a collaboration between the two. And I believe as I woke up from that dream, I was praying without, without even consciously knowing it, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If they're talking about the anointing in heaven, then we're going to talk about the anointing here in the earth. Everybody say the anointing. anointing. The anointing is God's yoke-destroying, burn-removing power. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, you have an anointing. It lives on the inside of you. You have access to it. The Bible illustrates that the anointing is tangible. Everybody go like this. Hold your hand up and go like this. Say it's tangible. It's tangible like oil. You ever get oil on your fingers and everything you touch now leaves an imprint? Because that is symbolic of the anointing. Everything you touch leaves an imprint. Are you getting this? So the anointing can be transferred. If it's tangible, if it leaves an imprint, then it can be transferred. If somebody's got it, they can give it to you. That's the reason why the Bible tells us to lay hands on the sick and they shall. What's happening when we lay hands? There's a transfer. I'm teaching you tonight. I'm teaching you to apply these prophecies and take this city back because I believe that the gathering has been given the key to the city. And I believe there is about to be a release of an increase of the anointing that must then be applied by the leadership who follow underneath the guidance of these pastors. And you have got to begin to operate in the anointing that they have released into your life. The only reason you are a part of the church that you're a part of and not a part of another one is not because the other one is wrong. It's because God has called you to be a carrier of the message of that church. So you're called to spread out the anointing of that church across the city and around the region and touch where the pastors and the leadership cannot touch. Say the anointing. He said they're always talking about or learning about the anointing here. Has that been our testimony? We went to lunch this last, this last Sunday after church with our elders and we just started talking about the anointing and we just jumped from one thing to another. And it just hit me after about an hour of talking about the anointing. We were talking about how Jesus was anointed. The Bible said in Acts chapter number 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And then we started talking about the anointing that was on Elijah and that transferred to Elisha. Then we talked about the anointing that was on Elisha's bones. And when they threw a dead man in there and it touched Elisha's bones, he jumped up and came back to life. Then we started talking about the anointing that was in the garment. Of Jesus, and when the woman of the issue of blood grabbed a hold of the hem of that garment, she was made completely whole. Then we're talking, I realized, no wonder they're always talking about it in heaven. It is an unending an, an subject, and many of you have been talking about it and didn't even know it because you didn't know that Christ meant anointing. You thought it was his last name, Mr. Christ Jesus. No, it just means he's anointed. He possesses the anointing, yoke-destroying, burden-removing power. And so when you get that and you start to read throughout the New Testament, then you start to understand things as you see it. And you see the Bible says, I can do all things through. What? 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 See, you thought it was person. You thought it was presence. And as a result, you haven't been able to do all things, and you wonder why, and you get disillusioned, and you and because you were focusing on the person and not his anointing when you need both. <laughs> then you start to think, wait a second, the Bible says there's going to be an anti-Christ. Someone who is anti-the anointing. That there will be a religious individual and antichrist who will raise up a false religious system that will be anti the anointing. Did you know that there are churches today that are pro-Jesus the person, but they are anti-Jesus the anointed one? They are for Jesus the person. They are against Jesus the healer. Anti. And then we go around and we wear shirts and we tell people, well, I'm a... Christian. Did you mean it? Did you even know what you were saying? What you were saying is, I'm an anointed one. I am one who carries his anointing. the reason why you have not been satisfied with church as usual, the reason why you have been bored is because you have allowed the laissez-faire attitude of many Christians to be your standard for Christianity. There is a world of power and of glory and of presence that awaits you if you will get hungry enough to pursue after it. He wants to impart into you, and I believe it's going to begin tonight, he wants to impart into you an anointing that can destroy the yoke and that can remove the burden. It's an anointing there's an anointing there's an anointing coming out of the Carolinas but the anointing doesn't come without a pressing look at your neighbor and say I'm anointed Hmm. everybody stand up on your feet with me very quickly I want to do something Would you bow your head just for a moment and close your eyes? Here's what I need you to know. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus is anointed. He can set you free. He can liberate you from whatever you've been bound by. If you'll receive him. No matter what you've been struggling with, Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you, have you received Christ? Have you received him just not as Savior but as the anointed one, the Lord who can destroy every yoke and remove every burden? Have you received that Jesus? If you say, Pastor Allen, I want to receive the anointed one into my life, I want to give everything over to him. I'm not asking you if you've attended church. I'm not asking you if you've signed on a church role, if you've claimed to be a Christian in the past, whether you have or whether you haven't. I'm asking you right now, are you right with Jesus? If you say, I'm not sure, you're not right, and you need to get it right right now. Sin will drag you to hell faster and farther than you want to go. I'm telling you right now, sin will take you where you don't want to go. Quicker than you could possibly ever imagine. Death is smarter than you are. And don't be mistaken and believe that just because you're young and healthy that death is far from you. It could pounce at any moment. And I need to ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, church, pray with me. We're going to prophesy over this team here in a moment. We're going to pray for you. There's going to be a release of the anointing. But first, somebody's going to hell and we have to stop them. In the name of Jesus, I believe that right now, yokes are being destroyed burns are being removed, when I say now, if you want to accept Jesus the Christ into your life, if you want him to become the Lord of your life, if you want him to set you free, if you want to live a power-filled life in his presence, in his glory, in his anointing, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand in the air, and I want you to do it bravely and boldly. One, two, three, raise it in the air right now, right now, right now, raise it in the air right now, right now. Now, every hand lifted, that's the international sign of surrender. Every hand lifted in this building, everybody, 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 everybody. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I give myself to you. I repent. I turn from my sin. And I ask you to have your way in my life and in this region. Set me free from my sin. Set me free from the yoke. I receive you into my life. In Jesus' name. Now keep those hands lifted. I want to ask that every leader of the gathering come down here to the altar right now as you continue to pray. Could every leader from the gathering come down here and be with us just for a moment? Quickly, 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 quickly. Hmm. Yeah, the blessing. The blessing. ECC. Leadership team, if you could come get behind them. Come get behind them. Hallelujah. I don't hear anybody praying, and that makes me nervous. (laughs) Could you lift your voice and begin to pray? Come on, lift your voice and begin to pray. Just welcome him in here. Thank him for being here with us tonight. Thank him for manifesting himself and making real what's been spoken in this place over the last few days. I heard this so strong in my spirit. Gird your loins. Steal your nerves. Train your people, for I am placing an intense and intentional deliverance anointing on this ministry because I can trust you to carry it. If you will be willing and obedient, you shall cast out devils and set captives free. So prepare yourself for I'm sending a wave of those who will need true biblical liberty and I will make you scriptural liberators for my glory and I am releasing a new anointing on this house this week. A new anointing is coming on the gathering. Gird your loins, steel your nerves, train your people, for I will visit you in glory and anointing. Just lift your hands and receive that. Receive that. It, could you just lay your hands on your team that's right here and just lay your hands on their hands and pray for that deliverance anointing pray for that deliverance anointing if you've been fighting spiritually I hear this now in my spirit your warfare is about to shift You're about to go from bunker building to bunker busting. Some of you have been fighting spiritually and didn't know it. Here's how you can recognize it. You're fighting down in unbelief. You've been fighting cynicism, criticism, questioning, doubts. I'm here to take the cover off and expose it as a demonic attack in your life. But tonight that's going to break in the name of Jesus. You've been fighting fear and intimidation. Some of you are supposed to be doing things on social media, but fear and intimidation has been hindering. you. Some of you are supposed to step out in evangelism and prayer, but fear and intimidation tonight, that's going to break in the name of Jesus. Others of you have been battling with depression and with anxiety and with worry, but that's gonna be broken tonight. I wish somebody would get excited about it in the name of Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed one more time and every eye closed, you say, I want to be free. I want to be totally free. I've been attacked. I've been bombarded. A dark cloud has been over my life, and I want it to break tonight. When I say three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it in the air. Raise it in the air. Leave it up. Leave it up. Leave it up. Those of you that are part of the ECC team, kind of move out of the way. Go over to the sides. Those of you that are part of the gathering, I want you to turn and face the audience. Turn and face the audience. If you raise your hand, there is a new anointing on this team right now. I want you, when I say now, to move as quickly as you can. The faster you move, the faster the devil leads your life. When I say now, I want you to get out of your seat and come down here for this leadership to lay hands on you, to anoint you for deliverance in Jesus name now come on 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 now come on now come on now come on now come on, come on, now, come on now the rest of you begin to worship lift your hands we're about to minister healing in a moment but lift your hands and worship worship worship